0: welcome to wednesday and another truth factor discussion i hope that your day is going well and i hope that you are here and have joined us for the purpose of studying through the book of romans today we're going to be considering romans chapter 7 and paul's going to explain the difference between the old law and the new law and why we look for salvation under the new law of jesus christ um So good to have you with us today. If you're watching this at a later point in time, we'd like to thank you for your interest as well. Before I turn it over to Mike, uh, I do want to mention we are absent Brian today. He's not with us. Paul might come in later in the study, and Shelton, he is away due to responsibilities also. Um, If you haven't already done so, we invite you to follow us on Facebook, so that way you'll receive future reminders of when we go live. If you're watching this on our on the YouTube, um, then please click the subscribe button and then click the bell notification so that you would receive future notifications that we're live if you would desire to receive those notifications. And we'll share more information. As a matter of fact, let me pop this up now and get rid of the Romans um, title bar, wherever I did with that. And if you'd like to email us, you can send those to questions at truthfactorlive.com. You can contact us at Facebook, which is uh, Truth Factor Live, and on YouTube, Truth Factor Live also. All right, so Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you, if you would, and introduce everyone to Romans 7, if you would, sir.
1: I surely will. Thank you, John, and thank you folks for tuning in, and hopefully you have your Bibles open, ready to study with us and let me remind you that if you take a piece of paper and a pencil uh, rather than trying to write your questions down while we're studying here and of course if you've got a computer handy you can do that but uh, write your questions and notes down and don't hesitate to get to us if we can further be of help to you in the understanding of god's word and let me add as well that if you find that we're in error let us know we're not we're not claiming to be experts in this. We're claiming that we're students. So if we can be helped by your understanding, please don't hesitate to share. Uh, with the two that are missing, Tom, I'm going to have to pick on you and John quite a bit today. So if you would, Tom, would you please read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll jump into the study very quickly. All right, uh,
2: we can do that. Okay, so uh, so here we find that Paul makes the observation, or Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she would be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, You have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who has raised, who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the
1: newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Thank you, Tom. Let's pose our chat room question first, and then we'll get into these six passages of Scripture. The chat room question for this portion is, since from the context of verses 1 through 6, we know Paul is specifically addressing those of Israel, that is, Jews, How can we Gentiles gain truth from these verses? In other words, how does this passage apply to souls in today's world? Now, John, I know that you're trying to put those up. That's a long question, abbreviated any way you want. The short question would simply be, how are Gentiles amenable to these verses, 1 through 6? That's the short question. How are Gentiles amenable to it? All right, let me see. I'm
0: going to shorten the question because it was too long for the YouTube Mm-hmm. All right, there we go. So it should be on our Facebook and YouTube chat as well. So hopefully everybody okay. is seeing those.
1: How are Gentiles amenable to these verses? That's that should have been the question. I get long-winded even when I write. Tom, let's come back to you and let you uh, work actually with the first two questions in this, and then we'll flip the to him do the other two questions in this section. This is Paul gives an illustration of marriage here. One man to one woman until death parts them, and it's a fitting illustration for this context. But why is marriage the subject he's he's addressing here? Uh,
2: no, not in particular. I mean, I mean, it, it's kind of like Ephesians chapter five. He's not talking about marriage in particular there, but what he says absolutely applies to the idea of a marriage relationship. And and the point that Paul is making and why it, why it is so fitting here is because marriage. Is designed to be a permanent relationship. It's designed to last as long as you live on this earth. And the same thing is true as you develop a relationship with God, as you become a child of God, commit to Him. You need to realize that it's not just a, you know, it's just not just a fad. It's not just going to be something that you're going to do for a little while. It's for life. And so I see that that is the point that is being made in this. And of course, He's also getting ready to drive home some points about how why we are not under the old law anymore.
1: Well, and that, that brings up the next question here. Uh, he illustrates that the Jews were married to the law of Moses, but that someone or something died that they now could be married to Christ. So the next question is, when and how did all this occur? Well,
2: when, when Jesus died on the cross, uh he he nailed the old law to the cross. I and then mean, that's Colossians chapter two and verse number fourteen. And and uh, uh Paul is using the illustration, and I, and I think it's interesting to consider that he is emphasizing that Jesus knew that in his death he was going to put to death the old law, that it was going to be brought to its completion, and because it was brought to its completion, it could fade away, it could be done away with. That's uh, that's illustrated even more, uh, I think, more clearly in Hebrews, uh, mm-hmm. the, the book of Hebrews and so on, where he talks about testaments, and, yes. and, or, which is another word for a will. And, and the idea of that is the will doesn't go into force until the person dies. Mm-hmm. And, and so what he's emphasizing here is we're not under the Old Testament anymore. Even, even we Jews, and you know, this is Paul speaking, even we Jews, we're not bound by the law of Moses anymore. As a matter of fact, it is no longer effective. And honestly, as we go through the rest of this chapter, what Paul is really saying is, thank God we are not under that law anymore because we had problems keeping.
1: Absolutely. So, so now, John, let's go to you and uh, I'll, I'll give you these other two questions here. We're still looking at the illustration that Paul uses regarding marriage here. And, uh, the question that I've got here is what passage or passages could be used to show marriage to Christ? How are we married to Him? And then when you look at verses 5 and 6, if you would please, John, to relate the deliverance from the sinful passions of the law, quote, having tied to what we were held by. Obviously, this again is spoken to the Jews, but does it have relevance, uh, uh, relevance to the Gentiles, and if so, how? It goes back to the <laughs> chat room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike, would you repeat oh, the question?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's on your paper. Read really. it. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So your first one that you asked had My to do one. with number three. Yes. Regarding- what,
1: question, what, what passages would prove that once we obey the gospel, we're married to Christ? <laughs>
0: well verse four, verse four verse four of our of our text here um makes a very powerful statement there let me bring that up here it says, therefore my brethren you also have become dead to the law through the body of christ that you may be married to another to him who is raised from the dead <clears throat> you know just within this context alone we have that that type of very strong powerful statement um but you're right there are other passages and my, my brain is kind of not working fast enough at the moment that talk about us uh, that him being the bride um and some of the parables that we see especially that of the bridegroom kind of illustrate yeah. that um even well, revelation offers, here. what's that
1: uh, tom, tom offers ephesians five twenty two to 23 where the it really isn't marriage but the illustration is there of christ in the church
0: yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Husband, we, yeah, husband, wife. Christ is the husband, and the church. Uh, is the the church is the wife. So I mean, mm-hmm. he's giving and, the and illustration then, uh, there. Second Corinthians eleven two, and then Revelation twenty one nine and twenty two seventeen. Um, uh, they these are these are passages that speak of the lamb, the uh, or the, the bride, the lamb's mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. So, John, let's come back to you then, and you can you can put this into the fourth question here we can't be married to christ and still serve that old law that old law died so explain to us now exactly how we are delivered from that old law and its bondage and married to christ and thus the the relevance that this has to the Gentiles and not just jews
0: okay um so when when an individual becomes a Christian, they obey the the gospel's call into salvation. Um, and we think about what Second Thessalonians refers to them being called by that. Um, in the process of being born again, there's a regeneration that takes place within the mind of the individual. Part of this comes from the conviction, the faith. Uh, Titus, Paul in his letter to Titus attributes it in part the washing and regeneration by the Holy Spirit as well. You know, so we've got. a a new, a new mindset that developed. So for the Jew, all right, there were two things that they were dying to. Now in Paul's context here, he's dealing with the law. Okay. But they were also putting to death that law of sin and death, if you would, you know, sin that they were formerly engaged in. But the main thing is when they became married to Christ, they, they, let me rephrase that. They were able to marry Christ when they died to the law. All right, and and that's kind of his point here. When they put to death that old man of sin, they died to the law, they were then married to Christ. Going back then to the illustration, you're under the law until death. Now, for the Gentiles, while it might not have been the mosaical law, it was still the law of sin and death that they had been living by. And once they made the determination to put to death that old man of sin, they could then be free to be married to Christ. Okay. Now, here's the thing, and, and if we really wanted to develop this further and we don't have time for we could talk about adultery when you compare Israel's adultery when they worship false gods and what might be considered our adultery if while we're married to Christ, our heart and actions go back to what we had left behind.
1: And that has to be mentioned, though we, as you said, don't have time to delve into it very deeply. But that needs to be mentioned. Paul mentions it here. That if we uh, are married to another while we're still living with someone else, that's adultery. Exactly. You you cannot join the old man of sin and the new life of Christ and be free from sin. That just won't work. The old man of sin has to stay buried. I I heard an illustration I'll share with you fellas and the folks that are listening that I think is very apropos. Many members of the church, many individuals that have obeyed the gospel have said that they put the old man to death and they live now a new life in Christ. They really didn't put the old man to death. They've got him on life support. And that's that's wrong. What the life support? Let that old man of sin die. And what are you talking him? about? Uh, you know, in some cases, the old man's healthy. Well, yeah, in too many. In too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know mean, well, some people. Let's go back to the chat room now uh, and see if there's any responses to as to how the Gentiles are amenable to the to these six verses.
0: All righty. Let's see what we got here. Um looks like we do. Gregor has thrown a comment into the hat to be considered. So let me bring it up here. Good. Um Wow. Sorry. Now let's try it again. All right, hang on just a moment. I'm having technical issues, so let me just read it. <laughs> and I'll figure out the technical issues here in a moment. So Gregor says, it proves the the change of the covenant. Marriage, a life covenant. Then you have the covenants of the Old Testament were covenants with God. Now all people have a new covenant with God. Now you think about marriage, marriage is a covenant relationship. And now that we have died to what we were formerly married to, we now have this new covenant, this new marriage with with Christ and with God.
1: Correct answer. Thank you, Gregor. Gregor, I, I don't know who he is, but I do know that he's very faithful to contribute to this program, and I, I appreciate his willingness to do so and his faithfulness in doing so. Let's move on now a few verses. And, John, I'll throw this one to you since Sheldon's not with us. Would you please read verses 7 through 12?
0: I sure will. 7-12 through The Apostle Paul writes, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good.
1: John, quite honestly, when some people read that passage, that paragraph, they become so very much confused, and we want to hopefully unravel that. But the main question with this is the one we put into the chat room. It's a short question, John. How did the law of Moses help Paul learn the curse of sin? How did the old law of Moses help Paul, and of course others, learn the curse of sin? Now, the first question here, and I'll just flip it point. Either one of you can go for this. If the law of Moses was not seen, and Paul says so, why did God conclude it through the death of Christ Jesus and bring into being the New Testament? If there wasn't if that old law wasn't sin, why do away with it? Well,
2: number one, uh God never intended for it to be permanent that I I I think that's where I would start in, in dealing with that. Uh but but in addition in in addition to that I I just consider the fact that uh uh the law of Moses was a law that was designed in such a way that it was it was virtually impossible to keep it perfectly. Matter of fact we only know of one who did and that was Jesus and Through his keeping it perfectly, he was able to provide the sacrifice that we need for the forgiveness of our sin. So so that's what I think about when I consider that.
1: Well, there's another element. Let me add this. It was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Yes. Under that old law of Moses, there wasn't any remission of sin. There was forgiveness, but it was never remitted. It was never tossed away and forgotten. No, it was carried forward. There was a remembrance of those sins made again every year. So it was rolled forward. Those sins had to be remitted at some time. And the only perfect sacrifice that would allow that was the death of Christ. So in the prophecies of the old law, you find the fact that God, as Thomas said, had no intentions of leaving the old law, the old law. Even Moses said, that the Lord God would raise up a prophet among your people and out of your kindred, like unto me, to him shall you hear in all things. Uh, That statement is repeated by Stephen in Acts chapter 7, and the the fact is Christ fulfilled that law. When you you fill something full, you get fuller than full. So that concluded that old law. He nailed it to the cross, brought into being the New Testament. So now, Thomas, let's go again here. How did sin take opportunity in Paul and produce in him all manner of evil desire? (laughs) Thanks a
2: lot. (laughs) I'll let John help you. No. (laughs) No. Uh, That's actually, uh, I mean, it's actually a challenging, and it's a question that confuses a lot of people. Basically, because of law, we know what's right and what's wrong, you know, and a law is a law, regardless of whether or not we know it's right or wrong. So, so what a law does is it reminds you of what the law is, or or, or when it's recorded and when you discover what it says. And 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 I see Paul, you know, as he's looking at the old law, and and my, and I, I actually struggle with here, you know, I. Uh, is Paul dealing with when he was only under the law of Moses or is he dealing with even prior to him learning as an adult what it meant to follow the law of Moses and so on you know and he discovers the law
0: I and the law say says you know what
2: I, i'm i'm doing yeah exactly you know you know what the law says that what i'm doing is wrong i need to stop doing that yet i want to keep doing it because it's what i'm used to doing it's what my flesh is driving me to do. So I, I, I kind of see that that's the idea of what sin does. And when you learn that something is wrong, you know, there is something inside of us that when we learn something is wrong, a lot of times we want to do that even more, you know, especially if it's something that we like doing, whatever. Yes. And, 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 and so I kind of see that I, I see that in this and in the next section even more. When, when when Paul has this detestable attitude because
1: of struggling with the law. So that, that's what I see in this. Is it not comparable to what Moses said, or what said of Moses in Hebrews 11, that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the children of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin season? Paul has to wrestle with which he wants to do. and. Yeah he turns to Christ but there's a wrestling going on there so John in in Paul's language of verses 9 through 11 it sounds rather confusing is there a way you can unravel that for us
0: yes you start with a loose thread and pull (laughs) now I say that obviously jesting. okay here's my let me tell you I'm not very far off in understanding as what tom explained but i want to present it a little bit differently maybe and and this does bleed into to the next section here Good. all right i don't i don't view that the law of moses was flawed okay i realize a hebrew writer kind of makes that statement for with if it was without um i think i may have used the term flaw the problem is was the people okay had the people Mm -hmm. obeyed god then there never would have been an issue. Now, here's something else we have to keep in mind, and Paul kind of alludes to this. You became an Israelite by birth, but you had to learn about God. Okay? Yes. And and, and that's the difference between the new covenant, as Jeremiah 31, 31 talks about. Okay? So you became an Israelite by birth, and you had to learn about God, and that's why it was important the parents teach, and, and we know Deuteronomy 6 and all those passages like that. So here's Paul, he's a baby, he's six months old, okay? He doesn't know what's right or wrong. So Paul hits, you know, five years old, and he's learning about the law, eight years old, and begins to learn, well, if I do that, that's wrong. If I touch that, I'm not supposed to do that, okay? And so the older Paul grows, the more that Paul learns, the more Paul begins to realize what's right and what's wrong, and he realizes he's been doing wrong. This is where Mm -hmm. sin has has come into the picture. And I think this is true of any law of Christ, or any law, whether we're talking about the law of Moses or the law of Christ, okay? But there is a distinctive difference, obviously. So here you are growing up under the law of Moses. You learn what is right, what is wrong, and now you're guilty of sin. All right? Mm -hmm. Now, when an individual becomes a Christian, they do that with the foreknowledge of their studying, and now they know God before they become a child of God, meaning they know about him. And again, Jeremiah 31, but still the law of God is there to keep us on the straight and narrow. I think that Paul writes to the Galatian people that because of their trespasses, he gave them the law. I think it was to keep them on, on the law. So I see Paul's whole point here is that, yes, the law tell, told us what was right and what was wrong. And because of that, when we did what was wrong, we became guilty of sin. What's the solution? Yes. And, and he'll, he's building up to the solution. And, and even under the law of Christ, he, he'll reference the law of God versus the, the law of, of, of that re- resides within us. And even under that, you know, the Bible tells me this is wrong, so if I do it, I commit sin. What's the solution?
1: Mm-hmm. And that yeah. leads you to the, last, to the last question in this section. explain how this law of Moses, Paul says, holy and the commandment holy, just and good yet it took Christ uh, to take this old law and nail it to the cross. It, 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 what, what is there about this old law that required souls to be delivered from that bondage if it's holy and just and good? And I think you have started into a good explanation of that.
0: Well, the, the, the problem, had the people kept the law, they would have been separated from the other people in Canaan. They would have yes. been holy and set apart. The problem yes. is they did not keep this covenant. So, as the Hebrew writer says, for finding fault with them, that's correct. Uh, and, and many generations he found fault with them. Hence Jeremiah's prophecy of a new coming covenant. Um, and so, but but the problem is they had rejected the law of God. So in order to have a new covenant, there had to be a greater sacrifice, shedding of blood for this better covenant, and and it, it ultimately was the price. That, that was paid that no sheep, lamb, or goat could ever pay.
1: That's true. And and yet, God had already set the precedent that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Exactly. And it had to be Christ. It had to be Christ. Excellent answers, fellas. Thank you so much. Because that is a difficult section of this chapter. The next is equally confusing to some readers, but we'll look at that in just a minute. Uh, John, if we can, let's go back to the, to the chat room and if there's any answers to how the law of Moses did help Paul learn the curse of sin.
0: All right, let's see. First off, let's see if I fixed our initial problem. And there was a question Mike asked. How did the law of Moses help Paul learn the curse of sin? And we do have an answer from Gregor. Gregor says, education and propitiation that is pushed forward, we learned wrong from right. The following of the law put our sins in a bucket, that was emptied by christ on the cross
1: excellent answer excellent answer uh it, it old preachers used to say they were all put in a huge bag and at the death of christ the bag and the sins doll were destroyed tossed away i appreciate that gregor and and again i appreciate him always tuning us in and giving us good answers to these things yeah well, Let's come back to you now, and please read verses 13 through 20. All right.
2: Verses 13 through 20. Uh, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to this... uh, uh let's see uh, for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good I do not find for what good that I will to do I do not do but the evil I will not to do that I practice now if I do what I will not to do it is no
1: longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me I had a preacher explain that is the biggest tongue twister that Paul ever wrote. <laughs> yeah really <laughs> and and it, it paul's writing sometimes can twist our minds a little bit but it's it, it's a very good passage if we just examine what he's saying so in the chat room what rules the soul the flesh or the obedient mind to christ what rules the flesh and we need to we need to understand that so thomas how did Paul come to realize this tremendous evil of sin? Well, through the law. I, I mean, he, uh, he,
2: uh, he learned the law, and the law said that this is good and this is bad.
1: And, uh, and what's bad is sin. Well, and, and you alluded to it in your last question, uh, Willis. I appreciated that. There's something about mankind that seemingly wants to invest why things are wrong. So let's try it and see. And Paul, who grew up to be a very zealous uh, Pharisee in defending even the minuteness of the law, which Pharisees were famed to do, he believed that he, he did all these things in good conscience before God, including murder. But under the old law, wasn't murder sin? He learned that, and now he's learning that these things have to guide the mind, not the body. So let's go to the second question here, Thomas. At verses fourteen through seventeen, they again sound rather confusing. But if you would unravel them for us and explain what is controlling Paul and why he wrestled with some of these things, apparently wrestled with. Them. Right. Well. Uh,
2: and again, these are, these are challenging verses because, you know, Paul's making the point that I know the law is spiritual. So I, I think the point he is making there is I know what the law says. Yes. That, that, that's the premise that he builds this particular uh, section on. Uh, he was raised a good faithful Jew. He was taught the law from a young age and so on. So I know what the law tells me I need to do. Then when I break the law, uh, another thing about the law of Moses is every time I break the law, I gotta have to, I gotta offer some kind of an animal as a sacrifice for that. Uh, it's a very, very difficult law to keep. Uh, and, and he realizes that. And then, he tur- and then you turn around and you learn what's wrong, but yet it's something that you wanna do. Mm-hmm. And so you, you just keep struggling with that. And so you've got this war. That is taking, bet- that is taking place between your flesh and your spirit or what you want to do and what you know you ought to be doing. And, and it may be that every time you do what you know you shouldn't be doing, you get angry with yourself and you kick yourself because of it. And you're frustrated in it, especially when you, when you find out how difficult it is to make reconciliation for that and you can't do it. And so it, there's this weird
1: yeah there's a, I think a lot Tom, I think a lot of times Thomas, when uh, in 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 past years, uh, I've had to deal with a lot of alcoholics and drug abuse individuals. and even uh, and uh, even in smoking, you know, sometimes they'll trade the drug if, as the as the argument goes. and instead of drugs, they'll go to cigarettes or uh, uh, cigars or something of that sort. The addiction gets a hold of them so that the body gets to the point it requires that substance in order to be calmed down or whatever. And, uh, well, I just can't quit. Well, one of the things that Paul had to learn is that he could do all things through Christ. And I believe that's what he's getting to here with the Romans. That while in the flesh, it was tough. Yeah. When he gave himself to the obedience Christ, that's where that's what led him. Now, I see Paul's joined us. I believe you have, haven't, you, Paul. Yes, you're sir. Smiling, and I'm glad to see you. So I'm going to put you back to work since you're dressed for the election. Uh, <laughs> I'd like for you, Paul, if you would, to tell us in verses 18 through 20 of this passage exactly, definitively tell us what changed Paul.
3: Paul mentions in this chapter and in other places how the gospel had transformed his life, uh, the knowledge of Christ. And he is always so thankful for the uh, one passage. He says for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus
0: uh, mm-hmm.
3: here uh, a little bit later on. I'm looking in verse 18 through 20. But he says in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. And so he realizes that there are uh, two laws that can control us. We can either let the law of fleshly desire uh, control us, or we can let the law of God control us. And Mm -hmm. it was because he was doing his very best to let the law of God control his life, the gospel that would change him. Uh, In Galatians, he says that uh, it's no longer he who lives, but Christ lives in him. And so that was was the change that took place uh, in the apostle.
1: Paul, while, while we've got you on camera here, let me ask you a question that's not on our papers here, but let me ask it anyway. Is that not a daily requirement and and sometimes a daily struggle?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of things about our conversion that are really daily sort of things. We daily believe. Uh, We need to daily hear God's word. And and sometimes we talk about confessing Christ. Uh, That is something we need to do prior to baptism, uh, to confess him before men. But we need to continue to live uh, that confession. We need to continue to live faithfully. And, Mike, I think that Paul is talking about here a daily struggle. Uh, that yes. he, needs to, he needs to wake up and know every day that Christ is alive in him and, and that he is living for Christ. He's living for God. And, and to say, and I'm not saying he literally did this, but to wake up in the morning and say, the law of God will rule, not the law of my flesh.
1: Well, and, so, and, and I appreciate that, Paul. And before we return to the chat room, we've got a little bit of time here, I believe, because there's not much left in the chapter, uh, at least on our outline some of you uh, that are viewing and, and John, if you could bring that picture back up and introduce those folks it might help there's some brethren in the cookville tennessee area that are grieving right now they they were very ill affected by the uh, tornadoes that went through tennessee day 4 yesterday and uh there there were at least two couple uh, two individuals and a child there's john got the picture up um uh, that were, they they perished in that tornado. I've got friends that knew these people personally. And uh, before the program, I got another phone call of another individual that folks here at Orleans uh, are acquainted with personally. He also perished in that tornado. Well, my point's this. In In these times of grief, there are some people, and unfortunately, even some brethren, that ask the question, why did God do this? God didn't do it. God set in motion nature, and nature has its way as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. Said, no after he was released from the ark, all these things are going to transpire. Tragedies like this happen. The point is, these individuals being faithful Christians faithful as we knew them had no worries they perish in this the baby certainly is safe in the arms of God and the adults the parents here though very young I I don't know their ages but I'd guess less than 30 each of them and here they are perished but being faithful they should fear no death at all and their righteousness would be rewarded in the judgment John if you have that would you please introduce those people to us again there they are go ahead John because I don't remember all the names
3: we're not getting sound from John
1: no we're not
0: there we go sorry about that Uh, The husband's name is Josh, the wife's name is Aaron, and the son's name is Sawyer. Kimberlin is their last name. Um, Aaron is the daughter of Rodney Pitts, who preaches um, in Cookville, Tennessee area. And um, like you said, very young family, very young family, very tragic in their passing. But I, I agree completely with you, Mike, that they are in the hands of God and he's watching over their souls now.
1: God's, God's faithful to us, and his promise is not a lie. If we be faithful to death, we receive a crown of life. And while we grieve in the flesh, and we certainly offer our sympathies and condolences to all of those in the area, especially the brethren, we're very grateful that they had the the possible and died in the Lord. Very grateful for that. Well, let's return to the chat room question and finish out the chapter. Uh, uh, Mike? Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, can, If I can make an observation
2: real quick about this entire section here. Uh, you know, dealing with law in general, uh, you know, Paul talks about the struggles that are associated with the old law. Uh, and a lot of people struggle with sin. You know, they struggle with keeping law, especially spiritual law and so on, uh, throughout their lives. I think that applies as much today as at other times. And And one of the observations I've made in sermons, and I know a lot of people don't like this, or uh, a lot of people in the world, especially, don't like this. I just simply ask the question: How much better would the world be if everybody chose to follow the laws that God has given us? Oh, he's, most certainly. Yeah, yeah. He's He's given us a pattern that is absolutely. Uh, it is what is best for mankind, but man doesn't like it, and man gets angry at God when there are consequences because they choose to not follow God's laws. So I can see that as a part of the frustration. You know, think about the one who is a follower of God's law or trying to follow God's law, and they're struggling with it. What about the rest of the world that doesn't even care about God's law? But look at how messed up the world is now. I mean, oh. uh, you know, yeah, you, you know, you know, uh, uh, I want I, to say something political. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyways. Not one side or the other, but notice how ugly. Our political process is right now, and I want to tell you right now the behavior is nothing but lawlessness. They're not following God's pattern for the way you are supposed to treat each other. How much better would our political system be if everybody would just apply the principles of God's uh, system? Uh, and, and I don't care what side you're on, you know, politically. That's just just the ugliness that we see. So Paul's frustrated. I, where do I go here? You know, I'm doing things that I know are bad, uh, uh, things that are frustrating. I don't know how to take care of them. What hope do I have? And the law of Moses, because of the difficulty in keeping it, was also a source of frustration. So where's
1: my hope? I think that can lead you into your next section. It's all in Christ, and so let's finish that chat question because we've answered it, even though I hope that some others have looked at it as well. What rules the soul? That's our chat question. Do we have any answers to it, John?
0: We do. What rules the soul, the flesh or the mind? Gregor says, whichever we focus on. If (laughs) If I keep my mind and heart focused on God's will, that is what I do. If I seek the solace of flesh, that is what I do.
1: Absolutely, and you can—you have the choice of either obeying God or obeying sin. But you can't go to heaven obeying both, and that's—that's that's the point of it. Well, Paul, let's keep you working while we can. Yes, sir. Would you please conclude the chapter for us, beginning at verse twenty-one?
3: I certainly will. <clears throat> I'm reading in Romans chapter seven beginning at verse 21. The scripture there says, I find then a law, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. Again, one last chat room question for today. Are we permitted to serve both the law of God, law of the flesh? Are we permitted to serve both and still please God? Of course, is the end of that question. But are we permitted to serve both the law of God and the law of the flesh? Now, uh, John, you've been kind of behind the scenes. Let's get you out of here in front. Explain the wealth, the warfare in Paul's life. Who wins and how?
0: Explain the warfare in Paul's life. Who wins and how? You know. That's a good question. I've been doing some thinking as, as we've been going over this last section. If you go all the way back, how much time do we've got? Okay, I've got a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> if if we go all the way back to the days of Noah, now God observed that the thoughts of man were evil continually within his heart. Okay? I think man has not changed. I think fundamentally there is in the propensity of every person um, the temptation to think evil and do what is evil. Now that's without structure and without guidance. So we bring the law of Moses in to shape the children of Israel into a holy nation before God. And it works sometimes, but it's failure lies within them rejecting God because yes. they would choose not to serve him. And it, it was a spiritual law. Paul even acknowledges that. They were supposed to yes. love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? So it was their unwillingness to completely follow him. So there's sin afoot. And so we bring in a new covenant that's established by the death of Christ, who, by the way, served as the perfect sacrifice, so that God is willing now to fully forgive us of our sins. Now, we have not changed. Mankind is still the same. All right. So in order for an individual to walk faithfully before God, there's got to be their determination to overcome the inward man and the temptations to sin and to serve God first and foremost. Come back to love the Lord God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. And I think this is the warfare that Paul was talking about. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't think we should picture a man who goes from gambling and drinking at night and committing adultery to preaching during the day. Okay, I don't think Paul's describing that type of struggle. I think he's talking about the struggle in general. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about, I buffeted my body daily, lest I should also be a castaway. So the warfare is, I want to serve God with my mind and with myself, I'm being tempted everywhere I turned, and the temptation appeals to the flesh, and I have to choose not to do that, and sometimes I fail. And when I choose to serve God, that's when I have victory.
1: That's exactly
0: right. Long answer, but, you know.
1: I appreciate that answer. That's exactly right. And, and as we mentioned a minute ago, that choice has to be made every day, every yeah. day, or some days tougher than others, yeah. you know, which. We- feel good some days or we've had bad news delivered to us or there's some crisis comes up in our life on and on and on. You know, there's all kinds of things. For example, you get in the morning, you're already late for work and the remote control to open the garage door doesn't work. How do you get the car out? You know, and it's just, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me syndrome. Well, God hasn't left you and we need to understand we don't want to leave God. That's when when all these frustration things come. It might be a good time to just pause and say, okay, grab me a little tighter, and let's go.
0: Well, Mike, think about this. Paul, or The Bible uses, and Paul does, the illustration of God as our father, and we are his children by spirit of adoption. And we think about what fellowship means to kind of walk in step with. So picture you in the grocery store with your child. All right? Your child will walk by your side. Sometimes yep. your child will be distracted and will want sure. to walk away. And so yep. as a parent, you intervene and prevent that. Well, imagine yep. if you didn't intervene and 30 minutes later, finally your child finds you, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. It's, and so we are God's children, and we're supposed to be walking beside him, if you would, holding his hand in fellowship with him. But sometimes we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. And we walk away from him and no longer walk with him until we repent and find our way back.
1: Well, we've already opened this, John. So let's throw it out to all of you on the panel as the last question for today. What are your thoughts on how we combat this? John's addressed that very well, but, but if you don't mind sharing, how do you combat these things from day to day?
3: Well, um, Mike, I, I think that when we get rid of some bad thing in our life, uh, when we repent of something, uh, it's going to leave a hole. Sometimes yep. this is very much like uh, the new convert that we talk about, and it leaves a hole in our life. And and, and maybe it's uh, bad friends. Maybe it's uh, going to the uh, bar every uh, Friday and Saturday. Maybe it's, you know, whatever uh, that we're trying to overcome. And we have to fill up that hole with something better. Now, when the mm-hmm. Scriptures talk about this, they would say, uh, like in Galatians 5, but Paul tells them to eliminate the works of the flesh, but then he tells them to add the fruit of the Spirit. So rip these things out of your life, but with the hole that's left there, God has provided something so much better that we can fill that hole with. And yes. if we don't fill it up with something, we're very likely just to go right back in that same rut that's left in our life.
1: Well, and, and you're right, Paul, and that... That brings up a little soapbox of mine, but I guess since I'm the teacher today, I'll go ahead and get on the soapbox for just a minute. That can't happen with sporadic faithfulness to worshiping God. You can't worship God on Sunday morning and take the rest of the week off. It won't work. The more we assemble together, Hebrews 10:25. I've preached this for years, There are people that are saying we don't need to do that, but anything on Sunday morning, and that way we can take communion, and then the Lord doesn't need to be worshiped the rest of the week. How does less make more, according to Hebrews 10.25, where the apostle said that that as, as, as you see the day approaching, we assemble ourselves together so much the more. How does less make more? It doesn't work. And so the more we come together, we sing that song in vacation Bible school. The more we come together, the more we come together. We serve God, and that's the point. Well, last time, then let's go back to the chat room and see if anybody's answered. How are are, uh, answered the question? Are we permitted to serve both the law of God and the law of the
0: flesh? And Mike. no, no one has answered the question yet, but we'll hold it for just a couple of minutes. Someone may pop in there.
1: Either that way or either that or I'll let you answer. I think the whole i think the whole takeaway for today's lesson, and I appreciate you allowing me to be kind of a leader on this. I, I enjoyed the study to put this outline together, but you fellows have answered extremely well, as you always do. I believe the takeaway for all this is, only when we keep the old man of sin dead that we reach the understanding how great the life in jesus christ truly is we grow in that grace and knowledge of jesus christ every day the more we study the more we learn the more we learn the better we can live and the better we live the more righteous we are that's what god wants of his children the greatest of success just as we would want the best for our children in the flesh God wants the best for his children spiritually. We can't give him our best and become the best that God would allow us to be unless we truly commit ourselves to obeying him. I appreciate the study today, and I'll turn it all now back to John.
0: Mike, I appreciate you leading us today. I think you did a fine job with that. Um, Two additional thoughts here real quick. um, What came to mind when what when and what paul was saying earlier about filling the void and i need to look up the passage but jesus uses a similar illustration of a demon that leaves a man and comes back and finds it all swept and clean and brings more with him you know when we realize that that and, and and i won't repeat what paul said but it's a very good point you know when we remove sin we need to replace it with that which is spiritual um but one one thing and we'll get into this next week but as kind of a preview just just in case someone is thinking that paul is describing the impossibility of serving god even for christians you have to read the rest of the story and real briefly the rest of the story is who delivers us i thank god through jesus christ our lord so then with the mind i myself serve the law of god but with the flesh, the law of sin, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Therein lies the key. We yes. make the decision to walk according to the spirit, according to the law of Christ, and we say no to the flesh. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Any final thoughts? And this should be very quick because there's only four of us today. Let's start with Tom.
2: Well, yeah, actually, um, a couple of real points to, to add to this. Uh, I think in, in dealing with the struggles that even we as Christians, have, I think sometimes we uh, sabotage ourselves because uh, we don't completely get rid of the temptation or what's causing the temptation. And, and uh, I give the example, uh, a television set, social media, a, a cell phone. 'm I'm, I'm not saying these things are wrong, uh, but but if there's things that you're struggling with, yet we still keep them around, that kind of gets in our way of being able to overcome things. So I, I see that as one. And, the, and and the other point that we can't forget in this chapter that Paul is contrasting the old law with the new law and and and, and don't forget that. so the this hopelessness that Paul has is he knows that the old law, can't solve his problem he needed something better yeah jesus can the new law yeah. that we're under it provides what we need and, and like you said john we're going to get into that next week so with with john chapter eight or you know, part one so part one. anyways <laughs> uh yeah uh, appreciate it today so,
0: and, and you'll be leading that study is that right
2: uh actually we talked about i'm because i'm not going to be here in two weeks oh uh that's right uh uh, we we, we'll, we can discuss that afterwards.
0: Someone else. And I can't remember who who volunteered for it. Hopefully, it's not me, but Hopefully maybe we Brian, did. Right. We'll
3: it may not be.
0: And Paul, go ahead. Any final thoughts?
3: Oh, just uh, I'm sorry I was running a little bit late today. And then once I did get here, uh, the computer crashed and had to update and uh, delayed me. But I enjoyed the part of the study that I was here for and was able to hear and I appreciate Mike's good work today.
0: Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another time of factoring the truth of God's word into our lives. And hopefully it was beneficial to you. If you have any other questions or comments, as we mentioned earlier, you can send those to questions at com. If everything goes according to plan and Lord willing, next Wednesday, we will continue our study and we'll be in Romans chapter eight, the first half of it, beginning at 11 o'clock a.m. Central time.
3: That's noon in the eastern time zone. 9 a.m. on the Pacific coast.
0: And Mike, make up a time zone.
1: Sometime in Hawaii.
0: (laughs) That's right here at live.truthfactor.com. Have a wonderful week.